Hello and welcome to this podcast from the BBC World Service. Please let us know what you think and tell other people about us on social media. Podcasts from the BBC World Service are supported by advertising. This is the Witness History Podcast from the BBC World Service. I'm Tim Stokes. Today, we remember the remarkable John Henry Smythe, one of the very few West Africans to fly with Britain's Air Force during World War II. The RAF navigator from Sierra Leone flew on bombing missions across occupied Europe before he was shot down over Nazi Germany and taken prisoner. Johnny Smythe was working in a government clerical job in Sierra Leone when World War II broke out. When the fighting started... A colour bar was in place, meaning only men considered to be of European descent could join the RAF. But as Allied casualties mounted, the rules were changed, and in 1941, Britain called on its West African colonies to support the war effort. Johnny was all too keen to volunteer, as his son, Eddie Smythe, explains. My father saw this as an opportunity, I suppose, to do something fairly exciting, but he also wanted to make a contribution to the effort because, after all, he was fighting at the time for his king. So along with hundreds of young men at the time, they fill out application forms and he wanted to go into the RAF. Only five of the applicants were picked and in October 1941, they were given a rousing send-off as they left Freetown by ship for the UK. Johnny stood out during his RAF training. In his camp, there were about 64 trainees, and uh, he was one of six that uh, qualified as an officer, which absolutely amazed him and delighted him. I did ask him, were there many black people who were training at the time? And there weren't. And I asked him if this made any difference to him, and he said, no, not at all. Everyone was treated exactly the same, and strangely enough, it was some of his happiest times. The newly qualified flight lieutenant was soon embarking on bombing missions over Europe. As the navigator, he was second in command. It wasn't a very comfortable place to be in a bomber, particularly the Stirling. These planes were unpressurised. There was no heating and they were very cramped. My father was was six foot four, so he was quite a tall man which means a lot of bending, a, a lot of stooping. Very, very cramped, very, very cold. And, of course, you had anti-aircraft fire exploding around the plane. Johnny's plane was hit by enemy fire on numerous occasions, but somehow he always made it home, and the Sierra Leonean became known as a bit of a lucky charm. My father had completed 26 missions. He'd started to have that feeling of invulnerability, which I guess young men have. And also, a lot of his colleagues started to feel, there's this guy, he's this black guy, and every time he goes out, doesn't matter what plane he goes out in, he seems to come back. There must be something about him. He's got some sort of black magic around him. And he used to he used to joke about this. This was, the big, this was the big joke. Let's fly with Johnny. He's always going to come back. But on his 27th mission, things changed. On the 18th of November 1943, Johnny's plane took off with hundreds of other Allied aircraft for the first night of the Battle of Berlin. On the way there, the aircraft was struck by anti-aircraft fire from the ground. The shell burst beneath the plane and as it exploded, shrapnel flew through the fuselage. 
it knocked out one of the engines and now it was only it was flying on three he sustained injury two pieces of shrapnel went through him one through his groin and one through his side so he was bleeding quite profusely the crew flew on to their target and dropped their bombs but as they flew back over germany they were attacked again the plane was handicapped so this night fighter picked it up and started strafing it flying round and strafing it and basically the plane was on fire the captain realized it could not be saved and he gave the order to bail out johnny was the second last man to jump and he landed in some woods he hid his parachute and he saw some lights in the distance some sort of tavern and outside the tavern there were bicycles he stole a bicycle and cycled off along the road now you have to bear in mind that he'd lost a lot of blood by this stage but he saw a barn he threw the bicycle into a river and he went and hid later on in that night he heard some german voices outside they started shouting out come out initially he didn't move and they started shooting into the barn so he came out held his hands up so how did the germans react when they saw their prisoner they looked at this man who's six foot four he's a black man and an officer's raf uniform and they said to him what are you doing here how come you've got an raf uniform on you're from africa and he said i'm from sierra leone i'm here fighting for my king johnny smythe was interrogated and then taken to hospital he said there were a couple of german officers in the hospital who were also being treated for wounds and he ended up having conversations with one of them and this officer said to him johnny you know you were lucky once you are treated you will go into prison of war camp and you will see your days out in that camp until the end of the war he said for me my wounds are going to be treated and then i'm going to go straight back into the war and i will probably end up being killed and he said they were quite quite powerful words because despite which side you were fighting on they were all just people johnny was finally transported to stalag left 1 a prisoner of war camp in northern germany where he would remain for the next 18 months i think life as a prisoner of war in those camps would be quite monotonous but there were times incidents where people were beaten there were incidents where people were shot i did ask him if there were always plans to escape then he said oh yes he said we were always planning escape routes digging tunnels etc it's something you worked on all the time he told me about quite a funny incident about an american chap who managed to escape he got over the, the fence and he escaped into the woods he was subsequently caught and brought back and the commandant asked him how he managed to escape and he said oh i vaulted over the the fence and he said impossible He said, yes, I did. He said, well, prove you can do it, because if you can, we'll let you go. And basically, this American ran, did a flip, and actually vaulted the fence. Now, they didn't let him go, but he was laughing and clapping and cheering, not only from the, the prisoners, but also from the guards. But for fairly obvious reasons, Johnny never tried to escape himself. Eddie remembers the explanation he gave years later. He was interviewed by a reporter from The Times who asked him this very interesting question. and he looked at the report and said if i had managed to get out i would not have been able to bingle with other 6 foot 4 black men in germany at that time i think i would have stood out like a sore thumb to which the reporter said yes i see your point the prisoners managed to build a radio and as the months passed they learned that the germans were losing the war and the allies were closing in their biggest fear was that the guards 
my seek to shoot them, to kill, to burn the camps before they got there. But fortunately, this never happened. They woke up one morning and the guards were gone. There was just eerie silence and they came out. The gates were open and there was no figure of authority about. Johnny went back to Britain after the war, but later returned to Sierra Leone for a career in law, where he eventually became the country's attorney general. When he retired, he moved back to England to live near his son in Oxfordshire until his death in 1995. It was only in these final years that Eddie was able to learn about his father's life. He has now found his own way to celebrate his father through song. It's because I'm very proud of him and it's because I feel it's a story that's worth telling and it's the same for all the people who fought in the conflict. It's good that we never ever forget. Johnny Smythe's son, Eddie, spoke to me, Tim Stokes, for Witness History. I would come home every day sad and angry and I couldn't be the person that I wanted to be to my family. Sometimes ordinary people find themselves in extraordinary circumstances. We'd gone into a war zone as tourists and we just looked at the suffering. There was nothing we could do. We could have brought bandages or toilet roll. And we didn't. Um, I felt bad about that. And we did the only thing we could. We were a rock band and we played a rock gig. On the Outlook podcast, we meet people who faced incredible challenges. They said that we believe that there's a direct threat on your life and you need to leave now. People who prove that after adversity, there is life. It was, oh, it was so happy, just pure happiness. The Outlook podcast from the BBC World Service. So do you think you will walk again? That's the plan. Just search for BBC Outlook wherever you get your podcasts.